Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up there we have done. Two soldiers, fine. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school page. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Outflips now. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, in the air and on the air, as we say each week, in the air with my TS-11 Escrajet, and on the air with you... And my special guest that I'm going to introduce in just a second. But let's just say this. Let's just say that this week my special guest flies a Skyhawk, but a Skyhawk that's special. And it's so special that it has its own number. Imagine that. I'm going to get to that in just a few seconds, but a few housekeeping issues and updates. Number one, folks. Join the Renegade Aviator crew because my crew helps me bring you airshow pilots and performers each and every week. It helps me bring you stories about aviation, overcoming obstacles, achieving great goals, demonstrating excellence, save our airshows, join our crew, go to renegadeav8r.com. But one more thing before we start, world records, baby, hold on to your hats. Renegade Aviator and the new generation. If you are between 18 and 30 years old, or if you know somebody between 18 and 30 years old, go to renegadeaviator.com because right now, when you're here in this show, right now we got a brand new page, a sign up form. So, what I want you to do is if you have any skills in aviation, aerospace, engineering, welding, mechanical abilities, This is a way for you to get involved in our world record attempts. And most importantly, if you have the means, we're going to appreciate your financial support. RenegadeAviator.com, go to the world record page and you can help contribute to this. Because the doom and gloom is really pissing me off, to be honest with you. The doom and gloom out there. These kids, this next generation, they're going through stuff that we never had to deal with. And if you're a young person listening to me right now, you know it. So this is something positive. This is something where the new generation, the Zoomers, for lack of a better way, is going to teach this old guy a few things. We're going to take a jet that's over a half century old, go after world records that have stood for over a half century. And we're going to use people between 18 and 30 years old to make it happen. You're going to run the show. And so those of you who can contribute, renegadeaviator.com, click on the world record link. All right. That was a lot. So here we go. I got a guest. I told you a Skyhawk pilot, but not just a regular Skyhawk pilot. You can go anywhere and fly a Skyhawk, but you can't fly Skyhawk 518. I like to welcome to the show my friend, 
Jared Floor. Jared, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Hey, thanks, David. It's so good to be back here with you. Right. It's been about a year, I guess. It's gone pretty quick. Back a year ago, we were flying air shows. Now what happened? Oh, man. Yeah, it's definitely different times than it was last time we talked. It's just got another notification yesterday that we had one of our ones we were really looking forward to. Well, we look forward to all of them, but, you know, truck canceled yesterday, and that was unfortunate to hear, but we kind of assumed that this is the direction it's going to go for the rest of this year, and we're just trying to switch gears and get in the best place we can for next year is all we can really do at this point. So, yeah, we have two left on the books that haven't canceled just yet, but we'll see. For those of you that uh, don't follow each and every air show because we're broadcast all over the world right now, it's no secret that coronavirus has kind of taken a toll. And that's part of life. And I, and I guess that's what we're going to go over in this show like we do. I mean, it's all part of life. To achieve anything great, to be able to do all the cool stuff we do in air shows, we suffer setbacks and we got to just kind of pick ourselves up and move forward. But Jared, for the edification of the audience, in case somebody doesn't know what an A4 Skyhawk is and how cool the stuff you do is, even though they should have listened to one of my earlier podcasts, but they didn't. So if they didn't, shame on you. But Jared, explain the cool airplane you fly and what you do with that of their shows. Cool. Well, uh, this is a, basically the TA4F Skyhawk, but we dial it back and just call it a TA4 Skyhawk. And it's um, Vietnam era. It was designed in the mid 50s. Uh, the A-4 Skyhawk was as a nuclear bomber and designed by Ed Heineman, of course. He designed a lot of really cool airplanes from that era and later. It was designed to be a Navy-slash-Marines carrier-based nuclear bomber, and that was its original intention. Small and light and carry a lot of weight, almost 10,000 pounds worth of ordnance. Not bad for an aircraft that weighs just about 10,000 pounds. So it is fun and nimble and, and just a thrill to fly. But the historical aspect is, is unbelievable as well. So after the nuclear bomber design came out, it really had a lot of success in the Vietnam conflict. I believe it's on record with dropping the first and the last bomb of the Vietnam conflict, the A-4 type. And it's gone on to be made famous as a Navy trainer, the TA-4 Navy trainers. And it went on to be with the Blue Angels. A lot of people really look back on the Blue Angels as the A-4 being one of their favorite times of, of the Blues. And uh, that was 1974 to 86, I believe. So 12 years it was there. And then, of course, it appeared in Top Gun, which a lot of people remember as the jet that Viper was flying. And uh, so it's just got a lot of history. And I'm just fortunate to be able to clean the thing, much less fly it. I mean, it's unbelievable aircraft. So yeah, that's pretty much a, a good rundown. And, and this one in particular was restored over a period of five years between 2005 and 2010 by a group of just top-notch guys that really, really care about the history, keeping it alive and keeping them flying. And uh, they did such a good job that 10 years after the restoration was over, which would have been last year, I got to fly the thing to Oshkosh and still won best jet at Oshkosh on a 10-year-old restoration. So that's how good of a job these guys did. That's amazing. You just don't see this generation of jet at air shows, and there's a number of reasons for it, and we could spend a whole show talking about how come all these former U.S. military jets are not seen at air shows and why there's so many Russian jets out there, but not a lot of uh, our stuff. So you're flying a, a piece of history. There's a few of them out there, but not many on the air show circuit. I think you might be the only one active. Yeah, I believe Paul Woods has his uh, A4 Charlie out there. Um, he does a few air shows a year in it. And uh, I think we're the only ones that say, yes, this is what we do with this aircraft. And we're willing to book shows. And, you know, it really comes down to they're expensive to operate. 
parts and crew are hard to come by. It, it's difficult, but difficult doesn't mean impossible which is uh, something I think our generation is starting to forget. There you go. And I I think that was part of the reason I prompted, uh, sent you a note over Facebook. You made a post, and I'm going to take us into that realm a little bit because I think it's time perfectly here. You made a post, you're getting ready to move, and you made a post that, you know, look at all the stuff I've done over the past year or years, and it wasn't very long. And so I thought, wow, that might be really cool to have somebody who's new in aviation that thinks, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to be able to do this, or there's going to be doors closed, or when all you've flown is a high-wing Cessna or a low-wing Piper or an SR-22, you kind of think that's it. So I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but you posted up a whole bunch of pictures. It says something out there that aviation, the fun, the thrill, the excitement, the I can do anything in aviation is still there. We just need to look for it. Or maybe you've got some words of advice. Maybe we just need to take some better action instead of complaining about it. Well, yeah, that's kind of what the post was about. And everyone's human, especially right now. It's real easy just to get wrapped up in the negativity and start feeling sorry for yourself or all that. And I was getting caught up in that. And I was, I started thinking, you know what? I need to cast my blessing and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think back. And, um, well, of course, not to offend anyone or anything, but I'm born and raised Texan and being in California just doesn't work for me. Nope. Um, <laughs> and I started getting wrapped up in that negativity. And then I started thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to think of all the positive things that have come out of me being out here. And, uh, of course, I'm moving back to Texas in uh, four months and um, three months and uh, 27 days, uh, not counting. But but I started looking back and I thought, man, I've had a really incredible 12 and a half years here. And I'm just getting to live my dream. I'm still working on it. And I feel like I'm just getting started. So that's where the post came from. And it was almost, uh, hey, instead of dwelling on the negativity, why don't I look back on what? I was able to accomplish and not a toot my own horn thing. I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without the people that were surrounding me the entire time and enabling me. But that's where the post came from. So I came to California with a dream and I beyond achieved it. So you said the right word there, right? So first you got to have a dream. And as we talk to young people and as we talk to anybody, it could be old people, doesn't matter. Man, if you don't have a dream, that's what life is about, right? Life is about deciding what your dream is. And then doing something about it. So you said 12 and a half years, and I bet you're looking back at times it felt like longer, but most of the time you probably said, where did these 12 and a half years go? I find myself doing that saying, maybe I wasn't grateful enough while it was happening in the present because now those stages of life move past the times when you flew a DC-3. And I used to fly a DC-3 at air shows. Was I grateful enough then? You've flown a lot of stuff, done a lot of things. Maybe give that perspective. When you came out to California, you were a fairly new pilot, right? Yeah, when I first came out to California, I was a new pilot. I was a, a pretty new flight instructor, relatively. I mean, I think I only had around 1,000 and 1,500 hours. So, you know, I'd been instructing for a little over 1,000 hours. And, of course, I thought that, that I knew everything there was to know. And uh, I actually, I didn't. But that's a real thing pilots need to fight around that 500 to 1,500 hour mark is thinking they got it figured out. But that's the mindset. That's the experience level I was in. I was a brand new tailwheel instructor. And uh, all I wanted to be was an airshow pilot. I wanted to fly air shows in an extra 300. And at the time, I'd gotten linked up with Sean Tucker, and he had given me some good advice. And that advice led me to moving to the Bay Area and becoming a, an aerobatic instructor out here in the Bay Area. So after about a year or so, that led to me flying a Pitts 
thankful to one of my students. I was working with her in a Citabria out at Amelia's at Reed Hillview, and she ended up wanting a Pitts, and she bought an S2A, and she could have easily gone and gotten a Pitts instructor that was already there, and but she knew how bad I wanted this, and she knew how hard I would work, and she gave me the opportunity, and I'm thankful for that. And she took me along for the ride and got me checked out in her pits, and I instructed her in her pits and got her checked out and all that. And uh, pretty soon, um, I started developing those skill sets to become a better and better instructor aerobatics and in pits. And then I had a client come across wanting an extra 300, and I still managed to fly that extra 300. It's the one I did my first air show in. And the same thing, he could have easily gone and gotten someone that already is an extra instructor, but he saw my passion and was very uh, generous in letting me <laughs> take his 300 thousand dollar airplane say okay yeah I, I trust you which i look back and i think it's crazy but i couldn't have done this without these people and i think they just trusted that my intentions were good wait a second though because now we have a lot of people that come in with a thousand hours total time and want to make a hundred thousand dollars and benefits and 30 days off a month so how could this happen you see this is what i keep telling people you become an instant success with years of work and dedication and i think that's the part people forget is sure people can go out and hire all kinds of experienced people but how does the new person get experience and i think you hit the nail on the head by being of service without an attitude in the process. Did I take a liberty with that or am I pretty straight on? No, that's, that's the only way I've ever gotten anywhere is I've tried to be a value to somebody and of service because I, I couldn't buy my way into it. And there's nothing wrong with someone who can. I think that's awesome. I wish I could have. That wasn't an option for me. So I had to put in a lot of sweat equity. I had to put in a lot of my time. I had to turn down opportunities that would have financially benefited me immediately but I knew that it would have taken me away from my pursuit of what I ultimately wanted to achieve. And I had to turn down lots of opportunities like that. Like uh, really early on, I didn't go get a pipeline job because I'd rather build tailwheel time instructing in the Satabria, you know, and, uh, or move on. I didn't take that King Air job because I might be able to go fly a pits and you just move up the line to where ultimately I never took that airline job that I probably could have gotten five or 6,000 hours ago just because, yeah, the money and the days off, that's good. But it's really, even people say, well, you have half the month off to do what you want. And the way I saw that is that sounds like I have 50% of the time that I can't chase my dreams and that's not worth it to me. Right. So that's just the way I looked at it. And But I'm weird and I know that, but I can sit here saying I am lucky and fortunate. I flew the A4 Skyhawk yesterday. I flew a Citation Mustang. I have a Pilatus Porter under my belt that I'm managing and flying an extra 300. I just have so many opportunities. I never in a million years would have thought I would come across, but I certainly wouldn't have come across them had I sold out, so to speak, and gone and chased the money instead of the goal. Well, or if you didn't make simple decisions, because I think the flip side of that and aviation is a great demonstrator of this because you decide. I mean, that's what a captain does on an aircraft. You make a decision. Not all those decisions are always going to lead you to where you think it's going to be. But for instance, if you want to fly aerobatic airplanes and you make or take the initiative to talk to a Sean Tucker, what do you want to bet you're going to get the right kind of feedback, the right kind of direction? And probably he's going to say, do this or do that. And so how many people may have talked to a Sean Tucker and not taken his advice and now go to air shows and stand in the crowd and go, I could do that. I had something else. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's taking ownership. I said, this is what I want to do. And it's okay. You could have stupid, crazy dreams of being an air show pilot. It makes no financial sense, 
But you and I do this. You do it to a far better degree than I do. But it's like we just need to pick it. And that's what makes you happy when you have control. And isn't that what flying an airplane is all about? Having control, right? You don't let ATC fly your airplane. Right. There's so many points you touched on that just kind of gives me these little flashbacks through the years. And Sean was a huge inspiration for me. Wayne Hanley and Bill Stein and Vicky Benzini and all these names that everyone knows. And it's really easy to get your feelings hurt by them as well, if you let it. But their advice doesn't necessarily always sound like advice. It almost sounds like, be careful. Maybe you don't want to do this. Maybe. And I've heard them say this to other people. I've had people tell me this. That doesn't mean don't do it. That means you need to really evaluate that this is really something you want to pursue because this isn't something that you do for six months. This is something that could kill you if you're really not good at it. It's not like, hey, I'm going to go take a, a French class down at the community college. And if I don't like it, that's fine. I mean, if you mess up, then that could be tater on you. <laughs> so that's true. I think the advice and the encouragement doesn't always look like that. And sometimes it, it could be straight up discouragement. It could be discouraging because maybe at the point that you think you are, the experts are looking at you and maybe you're not at the point that you think you are. And maybe you need to work on yourself a whole lot. Maybe you need to change your perspective and up your game even more to gain that respect. I feel like I'm kind of rambling right now, but I'm kind of looking at back at what you can't just walk in the door and say, hey, I'm a 1500 hour tailwheel guy and I'm flying a pits and an extra. So I'm going to go be an air show pilot. Right. I didn't do that. I was 25 years old and Wayne Hanley was my first ace, my aerobatic competency evaluator, Wayne Hanley. I mean, I've looked up to that guy my entire life and now he's going to be the one signing me off to go fly air shows. And, uh, he said, you know what? I've been watching you fly. You're good. And I insisted that he get in the airplane and go fly with me. And I learned so much from that one hour flight of him sitting in the front seat of the extra with me, but he didn't even want to go. He said, you're fine. You know? So that's really encouraging. But I always tried to go above and beyond, and I think that's important for me, especially in a position that I'm in now. And that's why I love air shows. People go, why do you focus on air shows? What a dumb reason to have a radio show. And I go, no, it's not. Because when you go to the air show, you see the performers, you see the end result, but you don't know that story. You see the reason we go to air shows. I mean, the best part about an air show is walking down that crowd line and shaking people's hands. That's the reward for all the hard work. But the reason I tell people go out to air shows and support these local air shows, big and small, support that local airport, volunteer, and then why do the radio show is because what I want to do is bring those performers that, you know what, half the time, half the crowd's not even looking up. But there's an attraction to people who are doing these types of things. Excellence demonstrated. And though this show is a chance to talk to or listen to somebody like yourself that said, yeah, I'm flying an A4 Skyhawk at an air show. And some people go, well, how did he get to do that? Or make up in their own mind these stories of how people get to where they are. And then you get to listen to a Jared Floor say, no, no, I did a thousand hours in this airplane. I did a bunch of instruction here. I spent this many years doing that. And I think that's the key. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling too, but that's why this show is so important to hear people like you give your story. This is funny, too, because you and I have conversations like this all the time. We just so happen to be recording this, but you and I talk like this all the time. And I tell people, it's just hard work. Surround yourself with like-minded people that make you better. If you're the best person in the room or you think you are, you're in the wrong room. I think that's very important. Yep. 
and just put the effort forth. There's so many adages and sayings. I like the one, I try to keep it in mind, a goal without a plan is just a dream. And because in aviation, a lot of people say, oh, I've always dreamed of doing that. Well, what have you done about it? Oh, nothing. I've just dreamed about it. Right. Okay. Well, that's all it's ever going to be then. And that's, and that's fine. You know, because maybe it makes it easier for people like me to get through. <laughs> so maybe exactly. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I think it's important to go back on something you kind of brought up earlier. These thousand hour or fifteen hundred hour pilots that graduate and all of a sudden think they need a hundred grand a year to sit in the right seat, and that's fine. I used to be a little bit upset at those guys and girls. I don't think it's really their fault because you're a product of your environment. And right now, I think the aviation training world as a whole, not everyone, but as a whole, is, is developing and cultivating that sort of an attitude, which is an attitude that you go back five years and ten years, twenty years, just didn't exist. And, um, but it does exist now and I'm not really sure what to do about it because sometimes, and I'm for sure rambling now, I know what I'm going to try to do about it. Like I'd mentioned, I'm moving back to Texas. I'm going to be working with victory flight training with their Marquette S211. Our goal is to take pilots who actually want to be better than the standard or the status quo and give them a route for that. And that's the best thing that I can think of to do. It's like, Hey, okay, well maybe the standard is down here, but with just a little bit more effort, maybe a little bit more cost, you can be up here and actually have some skills in your bag that are going to benefit you throughout your flying career, no matter what you end up flying. And that's kind of my next step is, is I want to try to be part of the team that facilitates that sort of a mindset. That's outstanding because, and this goes for any pilot of any skill level, is you and I are both professional pilots. We're in training sequences all the time. But the average pilot, maybe every two years or maybe they do some recurrent with a local instructor that maybe covers what they should. But I challenge people all the time. Here's a chance to go to victory and fly something really cool with an airshow pilot. And so what's stopping you, right? It doesn't even need to be these new pilots. It can be anybody. So I'll tell you, one of the problems is the 55-year-olds to about 75 think they know everything. Been there, done that. I can't learn anything new. Man, they've got disposable income. Show up and do some jet upset training with uh, Jared Floor. Make your brain more plastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It always goes back to fun, too. Yeah, I know it's expensive. And you know what? It's not even about flying with me. I love flying with people. But let me tell you, the guys, the instructors at Victory Flight Training, they're former fighter pilots, and they've adopted the civilian mindset as well. They have the bag of tricks. They have the skills to back it up. And those guys are outstanding, and they have a fantastic set up. I've been nothing but impressed with every part of my involvement, and it's been a very short involvement so far. But I've been thoroughly impressed with those guys. So they're putting emphasis on above and beyond, and I think there's something to that. So it's not even about just flying with me. It's about flying with airplanes that that will build your skills because you'll run off the runway if you, you know, on the tailwheel, if you don't use your feet, you will depart the runway. It's not a theory. So flying from tailwheel all the way up to upset recovery in a Marchetti S211, the victory team, there's nobody out there flying from a 500 out hell student pilot all the ATP Czech Airmen. You know, I'm a Czech Airman on a Legacy 650. And if I'd never done this flying on the side that I do, I would not be as good or as versed in the skills it would really actually take to teach people in a 30-seat business jet, especially when things go wrong and things hit the fan. You know, I feel very comfortable because of the other stuff that I do, not because I have the title of Czech Airman in a Legacy. So... No, if that makes any sense. It does. It's why we need a depth in aviation. We've gone into this scary world of um, efficiency where 
We want you to come in, fly a certain type of an airframe, certain type of avionics, move straight into the jets. We used to joke before when I first got into the airlines, a lot of the new FOs coming up had never flown turboprops. And, you know, if you want to tangle with thunderstorms, between 15 and 25,000 is the absolute worst altitude to do it with. But in the years that we flew turboprops at the regionals before we got into jets, that's experience flying tailwheel aircraft. I used to bring my old T6 out to air shows and I'd sell a ride for 80 bucks and it was a takeoff and a landing. I would, would check out friends of mine and say, look, you can fly this T6 and give rides. Nobody wanted to go through the indignity of learning how to fly a T6 because it's hard. <laughs> As you well know. It is hard. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially instructing in one from the back seat, you really can't see anything. And there's something to be said for it, though. And I think that's something we all struggle with as pilots. Once you get to a certain level of experience, and it's not even necessarily experience, it's perceived experience. Then all of a sudden, you don't want to show your card. You don't want to show that you might have a weakness. And we all need to let that down because showing that you have a weakness in the right training environment, someone shining a light on a weakness with the intentions of fixing it is going to make you a better pilot. And you just need to fly with the right team of people that aren't going to poke fun at that weakness that you might have. But they say, hey, look what we found. We can make you better. You're going to leave here better than you showed up. And that's our goal. But that's all ego. You got to let it go. It is ego. And it's why I think we love aviation. It is humbling, but it is, I say it over and over, excellence demonstrated. People can talk about how good they are in aviation, especially at an air show. You are demonstrating that excellence. And if you simply tried to be excellent, whatever you do in your life, so everybody listening to this show, Whatever it is you do, if you want to make your day more interesting, just start by trying to be excellent. You all have a weakness. You hit the nail on the head. We all do. Aviation realizes it, and that's why we work so hard to critique and to train. When I was in the medical industry, believe it or not, the medical industry wants to hide the fact that there's weaknesses, and that's why we have such a high accident rate or a failure rate in medicine. So it's a mindset that I think everybody can learn something from. That's just us preaching to the choir, but I hope this is making sense to you people listening right now. It goes along the lines, well, I heard someone say the other day that really resonated with me is uh, discipline leads to freedom. And I look at a lot of aspects of, of life and I look back on the times that I had a lot of discipline and it did lead to freedom in those certain uh, areas. And I look at, well, what else can I apply that to? And right now I'm trying to apply it to my own nutrition and fitness. So I'll be more disciplined and someday it'll lead to freedom with that. And uh, But definitely discipline in your flight training game, discipline in your standards of yourself, hold yourself to at least the minimum standard. A lot of people let it slip because no one's watching or, oh, I'm getting complacent because oh, I know this airplane like the back of my hand. Um, that's a recipe for disaster and everyone's guilty of it. So just remember that discipline leads to freedom. I think that's a neat thing to ponder about anyway. <laughs> I like that. Jared, with your air show stuff and with everything you're doing with the victory flight training, with how do people find out more about you, about Skyhawk 518, about what you're doing in flight training? How do they learn more about Jared? Cool. So with Skyhawk 518, it has its own social media page. On It has a Facebook page under Skyhawk 518. It has an Instagram under Skyhawk 518. And just to keep it simple, so even I can look it up, the YouTube page is also called Skyhawk 518. So if they want to know more about that aircraft, and then, of course, I'm the one that, that runs the social media sites as of right now. So they learn more about the jet. There's pictures on there. And if they have any questions, they can message me on any one of those. And, uh, and I'm the one that's replying 99% of the time to those comments. 
upset recovery training for the guys that are in corporate type airplanes from, you know, Meridians to 421s to private jets. Go check out the guys at Victory Flight Training. These guys are amazing. And you run through a fun little jet. You run through a great course that they developed. And it's Victory Flight Training. And I think you can find them at s211training.com. And they also have social media sites as well. So all are things I encourage people to do. And, And I think no matter where you are in your journey as an aviator, something in these three companies will excite you and uh, and hopefully lead you to something better. Outstanding. Yeah, the uh, last guy that I had, he said he didn't need jet upset training. I said, okay, just uh, hold on for a second. I pulled the nose up 45 degrees, rolled 110 degrees right and said, your airplane, and he pulled. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, okay, I guess I do need upset recovery training. You know, guys, if you're flying a single pilot jet, a single pilot turbine aircraft, turboprop, these are the people I train every day. Man, you need upset recovery training and you do it in a jet. It's totally different than doing it in a super decathlon. Nothing wrong with a super decathlon. Jared, I'm sure you can attest that flying a jet with the wing loading differences so for you experienced pilots, it's a couple grand. I mean, you're putting more than that into a radio you hardly know how to use. Go out and fly with these guys. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like we said earlier, the newcomers to the aviation industry that expect so much uh, for so little, it's not really their fault. I also think that, that the group of pilots that you're working with, especially the people that are flying anything from a Meridian, like I said, to a Pilatus PC-12 up to a uh, a small biz jet, those guys are kind of shortchanged on the upset recovery training. Cause yeah, when you go through a type rating at CAE or flight safety or one of those, you do a little bit of upset recovery, you know, and unusual attitudes, but it's not really training. It's a, here's what to do. And okay, we check that box. Let's go. But it's nice to go to a course to where that's all they focus on. And I think nobody will go to a course like that and come out thinking, well, that was a waste of time and money. It's definitely not going to happen with anybody. Speaking of stalling, the Skyhawk that I fly, we went and flew yesterday. He's single pilot rated in his Citation Mustang. And we were out flying for yesterday because I'm checking him out in his jet, which is exactly what he should be doing, enjoying that thing. And um, we were running through stall series and falling leaf and all kinds of stuff in the A4. And, and I said, hey, you know, let me show you something else. And I took the airplane from him. I pulled up nose high, rolled inverted, and, and cranked back on a stick and stalled. And, and uh, we had a discussion about we just stalled inverted, but 200-something knots. And did you see I did the exact same thing as what you were doing earlier? Relax the stick, roll upright, find the horizon. You know, so there's a lot of people that have done a, maybe a 1,000 stalls in their career, but they've never done it upside down. So That's true. That's an opportunity to do something like that. Yeah, and it's fun. You get to wear a helmet, flight suit, looks really cool. You get a lot of pictures you post on Facebook. You get your value for the money spent. I mean, you, know, you get to be a fighter pilot for a day. And even in the old round engine Warbird stuff, man, just fun, cool, humbling airplanes. Like I said, I probably have 400, 500 hours instructing in the back of T-6s, and I used to joke, I'd say, if I can see the runway, you're not lined up. So please (laughs) correct what you're doing. I can see the runway. You're not going to land on the runway. (laughs) Yeah, if you can see the runway and you're coming in to land on a T-6, you better go around. (laughs) Exactly. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. (laughs) Well, that's great, Jared. Anything else you got coming up? Uh, If your air shows go, where are those air shows going to be at? So far, we still have the air show to the Cascades out in Madras, Oregon, and uh, hoping that those guys pull through. The relatively small air show, which I'm always pulling for those guys because everyone puts in so much hard work. And then to have it all pulled out from under you like this is just horrible for everyone. It's not just horrible for the performers. 
And also uh, Prescott, the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University uh, sponsored air show out in Prescott, Arizona is still on. I believe that's October 3rd. I might be wrong, early October. Those guys put on a fantastic show and we're really excited to be a part of it. So far, it's still on. But we just don't know how this is going. And uh, it's always better safe than sorry, I I guess. But um, I hope too many people don't lose too much because so many people in this industry work really hard to put this stuff on and the rug has just been pulled out from under them. We will be back. I think in some cases, those shows that made a decision to stand down. Reno Air Races stood down yesterday. My buddy Tim over at uh, Truckee decided yesterday. We will be back. So this year, if a show doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world anymore. I'm telling everybody, write thank you notes to the sponsors. And uh, I've been on a tact for that because without the sponsors, those ticket prices are going to be 300 bucks to get in the gate instead of 25 So what a great value air shows are. The sponsors, uh, that's a great idea. And a lot of times they're forgotten, except for when people are uh, now again. They do a lot to make these happen. The volunteers at the air shows do a lot to make things happen. And it's everybody. Every, when you go to an air show, everybody that you look around that you can tell maybe didn't pay for a ticket to get in there, they paid for it. They just might not have paid for money, you know, with money. Those guys standing out there taking the tickets at the front gate and selling them and the vendors and, and all that. I mean, everybody that's a part of it are losing right now with what's going on. But we will come back. You're right. We will come back and maybe we'll come back even stronger and with additional formats. That's what I'm hoping. Preferably without masks, unless it's my oxygen mask plugged into my jet. <laughs> right yeah, on. well, that's the good thing about being a performer, right? It's, yeah, being a performer, you're out there, uh, you're, you're distancing by default, so that's pretty handy. That's, I got the easy job there. Exactly. Jared, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Skyhawk 518, you can find them everywhere. You can look at that beautiful A4 Skyhawk. Jared, thanks again, my friend. Thanks for having me, David. It's always great to talk to you. Right on. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. That was a great show, great interview with Mr. Jared Floor. And Jared, I do appreciate you joining me once again. Jared is with Skyhawk 518518. Go check him out on Facebook. Go check them out on uh, all the other social media. If you want to see a really cool jet, the A4 Skyhawk, you don't see many of those flying anymore at air shows. Anyway, air shows. We've been doing this May Day Save Our Air Show all season since the air shows have been canceling. I was looking at what we could do differently. So everything about aviation events, air shows included, are about creating the spark. And the jet that I fly, the TS-11 Iskra, its code name is Spark in English. Iskra means spark. And so when we started to look at this thing, I said, you know, this aircraft has got a unique history. This aircraft has got 50 years of military service under its belt. It was a highly successful aircraft for the Polish Air Force and later the Indian Air Force. Two air forces that you don't hear much about. So the airplane has not been hugely popular in the U.S., but it's a fantastic testament to the Polish aviation industry. It's their only jet aircraft that was designed from scratch. And this aircraft, when it was built, broke four world records. So here's what we're doing. There's two reasons that you need to go to my website. My website is simple. Renegade aviator.com renegade av the number eight r.com go to my website 
and click on the tab that says World Records. And I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask you to support what we do because it's not just supporting us, meaning Renegade Aviator. It's going to support the next generation, the new generation of aerospace professionals. It's going to light that spark. So we need supporters. We need sponsors. Most importantly, we need you. Go to renegadeaviator.com and click on the world record link. Can't be simpler than that. I don't know how much easier I can make it. Whether you can support us with $20 or $100, it's all appreciated because you will be the spark. We're going to kick this into high gear. We're looking at corporate sponsors right now. We love to have the large corporations get behind this, but everything we do starts with a spark, just like the TS-11 Iskra, the spark. And you business and industry sponsors, you want to talk about feel-good marketing and promotional support, you can't pick a better thing. If you're involved in aviation at all, give me a call. Just reach out to me through my website, renegadeaviator.com, because this is a project that will give you a lot of that same goodwill. We're helping the new generation. We call them the Zoomers. It's Generation Z already. Believe that. Here we were not too long ago talking about millennials. Well, the millennials are adults. The millennials are in the marketplace doing great stuff like sending rockets into space with SpaceX and Blue Horizon and other companies. They're with Boeing. They're out in the industry. What we're going after is the Zoomers, a world record anybody can do. <laughs> If you think about it, a world record, it's not that hard, is it? Anybody can break a world record, can't they? Does it sound hard to you? Well, imagine if you do it with the new generation of kids. This is where I'm going after here, is that anybody can break a world record with enough money and with enough drive and with enough spark. So we're going after this new generation to give them the spark, to give them the opportunity. Again, when the Iskra was first designed, it had broken four world records. So we've clipped this whole project down into phases. We are given on phase one. Phase one is real straightforward. We're going to bring these new professionals together, these new young people together. They're going to take the existing aircraft we have. We have three TS-11 Iskras, and it's a great first step. They're going to look at the aircraft they're going to make sure the aircraft meets all the safety criteria, bring all these aircraft up to standard, and then we're going to simply go after the existing records that this aircraft broke back in the 1960s. But what you may not realize is those records were shortly thereafter broken again by another aircraft. But that step one is simply to do what the Iskra has already been proven capable of doing, but we're going to do it with these young people. And a lot of these things are broken down in the nice bite-sized little projects. So this is stuff we can do over Zoom calls. We can do a lot of the planning. We're going to use high technology, the stuff that this generation, Gen Z, the Zoomers, what they're already comfortable with. We're going to give them the opportunity to look at this aircraft and get it to that stock configuration where we start doing our testing. And then in the meantime, that's going to bring us into our 2021 air show season. So we're going to be bringing this jet 
one of the three, out to air shows. And we're going to be shaking hands with the people that are involved from a distance. We're going to be shaking hands with a whole new set of fans and people that want to see this happen and give these Gen Z professionals the opportunity to be there live and in person with us. Phase two is taking it up a notch, man. Phase two is where we install a bigger engine, go for some modifications to the airframe, go for what's needed to break the existing world records that have stood since the early 70s, almost 50 years. So like I said, re-engine. We're going to do further testing. And we're going to make plans for the end of 2021 to go after and then set the bar higher. We're going to go out and break those records that have stood since the early 70s. We're going to do it with the Zoomers. The aircraft is a boomer, the baby boomer generation. The guy flying at me is a baby boomer. We've had our chance. We've been there, done that. But now we're giving Gen Z, these Zoomers, these young people, a chance to really make something happen. And we're going to make those records go away and be reset with a whole new set of records. And that's going to happen at the end of 2021, at the end of our air show season. Well, guess what? 2022 is right around the corner and wait until you see what's next. You thought that would be enough, right? Remember, I said, oh, anybody can break a world record. Well, you thought that would be enough. So we're going to go in phase one and we're going to go after the records that the TS-11 Iskra, the Spark, already beat. Then we're going to go after the current class and category records. We're going to do that. And then after that, radical design, radical changes to the aircraft, all with these next generation of young professionals, young people, the Gen Z, some of the Gen Ys. We're going to totally redesign this aircraft and wait until you see what's next. I can't tell you that. That's top secret. But you can join us in this by simply going to renegadeaviator.com. Click the link that says World Records. And on there, we're going to give you an opportunity, even if all you can do is join our mailing list. I'm going to ask you to do that because that's how you're going to stay in touch. And the other thing is, that's how you are going to have the opportunity to get involved if you are one of these young people that we want to spark. You're going to have an opportunity to get involved, but you need to take action. You need to go to renegadeaviator.com. It's real simple. Go there, click the world record link, and uh, I will be back next week, of course, as always. I love coming to you each and every week. I hope these interviews are great for you. This is my absolute pleasure to do this. Hey, we're not going to let coronavirus get us down. The air shows may be closed, but we're still here. This is David Costa flying a TS-11 Iskra jet. The spark. I am the renegade aviator. See ya. See ya.